the Desert Dirt Biker with Corn Dog and Eric. Hello, fellow dirt bikers and friends. Welcome to the Desert Dirt Biker Podcast, co-hosted by me, Corn Dog, and my good buddy Eric. We want to thank you for joining us on this podcast. On the Desert Dirt Biker Podcast, we talk dirt bikes. <laughs> yes, dirt bikes. We talk about our experiences, different races, different organizations, bikes, gear, and always try to get a fun and exciting guest to join in with us. Now, grab a drink, kick your feet up, lean back, hold on, because here we go. Here's Corndog and Eric. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Desert Dirt Biker Podcast. This is episode 14. The date is July 22nd, 2020. We're here in studio in Panaca, Nevada. I am Corndog, here with my co-host and buddy, Eric. How What's you up, doing, everybody? Eric? Doing good tonight. How are y'all? Good, good, good. Happy to be back. I know it's been a couple weeks. We kind of got busy last week, and we'll get into that in a little bit. And tonight, we are going to have a phone-in call interview with Jared Jardine and Austin Grease from Wara, Wyoming Off-Road Racing Association. Fairly new organization, and we're excited to hear their story here in a bit. So make sure you stay, stay tuned in and hear their story. So it's been kind of a crazy week. We... We didn't record last week. Uh, Eric was uh, out taking care of the world. <laughs> yeah, What's going on, Eric? I haven't slept much. Uh, the week the week of the Silver State 300 up here in Lincoln County, um, as some of the listeners might know, I'm the county fire chief and emergency manager, so I get to deal with all types of emergencies within our district. So um, popped off. A fire right around the the Silver State 300 race course. Probably a lot of you guys saw that on on uh, Facebook and Instagram Best in and the stuff. Desert. But um, so as soon as I got done racing the Silver State 300 with our team, um, I busted it back to the station, got a couple of our trucks ready, and sent some crews out to help with those wildland fires. Um, and then it was. Pretty much the three weeks that followed was just absolutely crazy. We went from fire to fire to fire. I think we're on large fire number seven in the county. Wow. And um, mostly lightning caused, but uh, yeah, I've been running pretty hard. And then all the medical calls and stuff on top of that. So it's been busy, but uh, um, one of them actually started up in Castleton, which is on the backside of Pioche. There's a little town there, and uh, it started pushing up the hill towards the backside of Pioche. And I thought, man, this is going to be bad. You know, back in 2008, Pioche had a really bad fire that almost burned the town down. And uh, I had flashbacks of that, you know. <laughs> so we bombed that pretty hard with aircraft, heavy tank, heavy air tankers, helicopters, and Anyway, we ended up catching it at 16 acres, but um, yeah, so we've been, we've been busy. It's been kind of crazy. 
Uh, had another big one that went, you know, 56,000 acres down south of Caliani. One over on the Utah border on Panaca Summit that uh, went over 8,400 acres. And that one burned into a small community on the uh, Utah side. And they ended up doing some evacuations over there wow. in Hamlin Valley. So it's it's been crazy, been busy. but uh, And then on top of that, we raced the Searchlight race this past weekend. Night so, race. Night race, yep. Search, Searchlight, night race. Yep. Bushwhackers, Moran. Um, I've raced that one several times. And uh, it was good. We had a lot of fun. Uh, it's always a good time racing with your buddies on, you know, doing a team race thing. You got all your buddies out there hanging out, relaxed, uh, you know, type of scenario. and Pretty much record turnout, wasn't it? Or it was <clears> yeah. So I have never seen Searchlight so full. The parking lots were just lined. The pits were lined. Um, I think they had, I can't remember if it was 53 or 63 entries or somewhere close to that. And um, so that's teams. You know, so you had 150 riders or so. Um, That's great. Which was awesome. It was awesome to see that many riders out on the line and and geared up and ready to go. I had several friends out there, Ronnie Butterfield, uh, Gary Smith, that that was their first night race, actually racing a night race. So um, those guys got a little taste of it, and it's fun, man. It's a good time. So how did you and your team do? So we lined up in the open expert class. Um, we had we had high hopes of, of battling for a win. Um, Tyler started for us, Tyler Harvey, Boulder City. I raced with him and Jeff Picton, both out of Boulder City. So um, That was your 300 team. That too. was our Silver State 300 team. We're doing the rest of the Best in the Desert series. And then uh, me and Ty raced Baja together as well. So... Um, anyway, Ty started, he pulled sixth off the line. I think we had about 14 to 15 teams in our class. So the class was stacked, a lot of good riders out there. And, uh, Ty pulled a sixth place start. He rode, put in two solid laps, brought me the bike. I think we were still in sixth or seventh. Um, I put in two solid laps and, uh, I think we were in fifth. And then uh, Jeff got on, did one lap. Ty got on, did one more lap, brought it to me in fourth. And then uh, I pushed pretty hard on the last lap, brought it back in third. And, uh, I mean, battled with third place the whole lap. And right maybe like two miles from the from the uh, finish checkpoint, I made a pass on third and uh, pass it off to, to Jeff for our final lap. And he put his head down and put in a good solid lap. But uh, we ended up, overall, I think we ended up fourth in our class. So Nice. It was a good night. We had fun. And uh, looking forward to the next one. Cool. I think that's the only night race we're doing this year, right? I believe that's the only Moran night race, yeah. The others all got canceled due to COVID. Right. Um, we usually have like four a four-race series. Yep. Yeah, last year we had the first Panaka night race, which was pretty cool to have one up here. You know, I've been chasing that series for a while. I've got two championships in the night Moran night series, and um, man, I got hooked. 
I think my first race was back in like 2014, mm-hmm. first night race, and I was hooked. It was something different than the desert racing that I'd grown up doing my whole life, and and uh, I was just at that point where I was ready for something a little different, and night racing was it, man. It, yeah. it hooked me. So It's fun. It's different. I've done a couple way back. I haven't really done it since. My teammate got cancer and passed away, mm-hmm. so... It was kind of, I don't know if that's the reason I haven't or the opportunity just haven't come up to do it, but. So. Yeah, it's a bit of, it's a bit of prep and work to, to do it. I mean, you got to have good lights, good light set up, helmet lights, um, generators and, and lights for your pits. But at the same time, it's a really laid back atmosphere. It's and fun in the pits. It's I've fun in, in the, the pits. pits. Everybody likes to hang out and just have a good time. Those who indulge in adult beverages can. <laughs> can do that and uh now it's a good time it's fun people set up like lighted palm trees and just they just have fun with it you know and so it's it's cool very cool uh so coming up um for me the next couple of races uh man i got kind of a stacked month in august uh, starts off on August 8th with the 10 hours of Glen Helen. And Do you, you're doing that? <clears throat> yep. That's a team, team it's, event? It's a team race, 10 hours. <clears throat> so it's an endurance race. Um, I've never done it. My teammate Ty's done it once or twice. So um, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a new race for me. I'm at that point in my career where I'm looking for one-off races that I haven't done that are on my bucket list. And this is one of them. So... Um, yeah, 10 hours of Glen Helen. We're going to go hit that up and then we're going to follow that up by, with the best in the desert Vegas to Reno. And again, that's another one that I've never raced that's on my bucket list. So two bucket list race back to back in the next couple weeks. Can't wait. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We're going to be doing the Vegas to Reno. Uh, my girlfriend Ashley's racing on a team and she's kind of back from her injuries and so I'll be chasing, and then we're going to turn it into a vacation up in Reno. I've got family up there. We're going to stay up there a few extra days and visit family. Very cool. But, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a busy next couple of months, I think. Racing is, as far as we know, racing's coming back. Yeah, and, cross our fingers that these yeah. races happen and, uh, <clears throat> and whatnot. But it uh, looks like um, I was looking at the draw for best in the desert and um it looked like they had like yeah they had like 230 or 40 something entries already and it's still four weeks away Uh um so standard you know typical covid huge turnout (laughs) again so everybody's just you know enjoying the outdoors and that's great i mean it's you know it's helping our sport of off-road racing and and people were stoked to see everybody out there racing it's awesome yeah and then uh so eric's been busy fighting fires prepping for racing doing medical calls it's it's almost been impossible to talk to him the last couple weeks but i i realized what he does and what he's doing for our community and for the people and along with all the other I'm going to call them heroes because I've watched them bust some butt. These fires were big. You could see them all over the mountains. 
I know uh, I work up at the parks and we got our backhoe ready in case they needed it. But I don't think I've ever seen that many water trucks filing through the mountains on the on the roads heading to the fires. And also one of our lakes, they used it to dip in with helicopters. So I got some pretty cool pictures and videos of right up close watching these guys dip in with their helicopters and their, their water bags or whatever they call them hanging off. And man, that that is impressive to see their, the way these guys maneuver them helicopters. It, it is. It, it, pictures just don't do it justice. I mean, when you see that live action yeah. of a helicopter dipping, you know, in you a sight. You can feel it or, in your chest, the, the yeah. helicopter, and you're right there. Yeah, it's cool. And then, you know, the heavy air tankers dropping retardant. I mean, those things are massive, you know, the DC-10s were the old ones. And now um, they've even got some 747s, I think, that are, that are tankers. And uh, they call those VLATs very large air tanker, but um, and then they've got seat planes, which is a smaller plane that that drops the retardant as well. And those guys are more uh, they can fly lower, and they're kind of more technicians with it. They can get lower and, and more accuracy out of them. Whereas the big ones, they got to stay up a little bit higher. But man, they drop a lot of retardant. So yeah. that stuff's pretty impressive. We were able to kind of turn the the big summit fire which is the one that was over on the utah nevada border um, we were able to kind of turn that away from some some old private property in there that had a bunch of old cabins they call it hackett ranch and deer Deer lodge and we were able to kind of turn that and and keep it out of the from burning that stuff down so it's pretty cool to watch the air resources work and uh you know, smoke jumpers bailing out of the planes. And it, it, it's fun. It's kind of wild, but it's fun. And uh, Well, I appreciate you and all those guys out there because they they go nonstop, and there's a lot of hours that, that go into, and it's not an easy job by far, I would believe. Yeah, thank you. It, it definitely <clears throat> is a hard, hard job. You know, those, those guys would put in 16-hour days um, of hard cutting line and working. And then you're lucky to get, you know, six or so hours of sleep, back up early and get at it again. So at it again. Sixteen days in a row, nonstop. Then you get two days off and then you're back on it again. So it's it's pretty rough, but uh the guys do a good job and we're happy to have them. Are all our fires under control now? I I'm pretty much I think they yep. are. Yep, yep, right now everything's under control. Knock on wood. Um, we've got some lightning busts coming through the, later in the week, so keep eyes on that and yeah, try and keep them small. Yesterday oh. and today, so yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, man. Um, so, so tell me about you guys went and raced Wara this last week. Yeah, and, so uh, um, tell me a little bit about the train, what the race was like, how it compared to you know Moran and what we're used to. So it started about, I don't know, early last week, I guess. A guy messages me on our Corndog Eric podcast messenger or whatever. And uh, his name was um, Tyler Jardine. And he goes, I have somebody you need to interview on your podcast. I'm like, okay. And uh, it was his brother, Jared. Anyways, Jared and and their family, I guess, did a little bit of uh, District 37 when they were a kid. Of course, we'll out in California. Out yeah. in California. 
we'll hear their story later on when we get them on the line. But uh, I started doing some research on it, and it's a new organization, WARA, Wyoming Off-Road Racing Association. Apparently, Jared and his buddy Austin Grease started this, what, three, four years ago, four years ago? Mm-hmm. And they have no racing up in Wyoming, apparently. They have motocross, so they wanted to get going in the desert, so they took the bull by the horns, and they started this series well, just so happens there was a race this last weekend up in Wyoming. I looked it up on the maps. It was about a six and a half, seven hour drive. I'm like, well, I could do that. So we decided to do this and we got invited to go and talk to Jared. They kind of told us about the race, invited us up, me and the girlfriend. So <laughs> we decided to do that. Our original plans, we were going to go to the Bushwhackers night race and Ashley was possibly going to get on a bike, first time back after her injuries, race all night, get done at 1 in the morning, 2 in the morning, jump in the truck and drive to Glen Helen and do the SRA at 8 o'clock Sunday morning. And keep in mind, Corndog didn't want her to race yet. Yeah, um, she's, she's, not quite, she's not quite recovered. But So he was trying to avoid having her <laughs> race the night race. <laughs> so I finally talked her out of that. So... We decide we're going to go. We got invited to the Wyoming race. We're going to go up to Wyoming. We're going to race in the mountains. We're going to race in the trees, the water. Temperature's going to be be 40 degrees cooler (laughs) than searchlight. We're all for it. So I ended up taking Friday off work for a furlough day. Uh, We got furloughs. And so we head up. And we get get to right outside of, uh, was it Lyman? Layman, Layman, Wyoming, and I feel like I'm pulling into Panaka. We get there Friday afternoon. Sun's just about to go down. We go sign up, and they do a sight lap Friday night. You're allowed to go do one lap, but they, you only do it once, and you all go together. We happen to be signing up. How long was the course? It was... Um, Right around 28 miles, I think. Okay, so pretty it's, good loop. It's it's their longest loop they've had in their series so far. Hmm. So what they do is they they run a a distance, whatever it may be, and they go for two hours. This particular race was two hours. Their normal, so far as I heard, was somewhere around seven or eight miles, and they race for an hour. So this one was quite a bit longer, so they went two hours. Anyway, so we were signed up. They all took off Friday for the for the site lap. We weren't unpacked. We hadn't set up camp or anything. So we sign up and uh, go unload, set up camp, make dinner, just kind of hang out. It, it was warmer than what we expected. It looked like it was going to be poof dirt, and it was. Not... Maybe not as bad as as Panaka, but it was just probably because it hasn't been raced on a lot. But anyways, uh, met some new guys. Uh, The um, Stewarts, they pulled in next to us. They're from Idaho. Turns out they know some people we know. So we kind of hung out with them that night until it was time to go to bed. Got a good night's sleep. Actually got cold at night. We we were blanketed up and kind of got cold. Which is a good sign, but then as soon as the sun comes up the next morning, we're hot. So we don't race until noon. Oh, and by the way, Ashley signs up and decides to race. 
<laughs> so I talked her out of the night race, but here she goes for the... She ended up racing anyway. Yeah, and and the goal was just to go do one lap and just take it easy and, and whatnot. Anyways. Um, well, she did. She got through one lap, right? And yep. She I actually think she placed second. Sound like she listened to her body and kind yeah. of shut it down and yep. did a good job. Which was the goal. Cool. And the course, it was pretty much single track, no whoops. There, They just don't race a lot. It was all virgin course, private property. It was a big old sheep ranch. And so it was single track, weaving in and out of rolling hills, up and down, hit some uh, marshy pond type stuff. It was like an alkali bed that was like clay or spongy. It was kind of weird. And then towards the end of the lap, you hit these hills. And the best way I can explain it is kind of like some type of a Erzberg. So you come flying in, you're almost, you know, you still got a couple miles to go, but you, you're, they bring you close into the pits and they have two lines. You can either take an easy line or hard line. Well, I was feeling pretty good. I was a little tired, but I was feeling pretty good. So of course, super corn dog hits the hard line. I take the hard line. <laughs> okay. I'll be honest. I overshot the easy line and I didn't want to turn around and go backwards. So I'm like, all right, let's go. And I was doing good. It, it, it was amazing. Some of the, the technical that was on it. I mean, there was some straight up, straight up stuff or even whatever you call it, backward stuff and rocks and downhills. Anyway, I was doing really good. I ended up going down. There was a guy that got stuck on a hill and I had no choice. And at this point, I don't know what it was. I got overheated, just kind of feeling nauseous. Anyway, I got going, came in, came through scoring, totally plan on going to do a second lap, get to the pits. The girls fueled me up, had two girls fueling me, Shania Stevens and Rista, just Taylor Stevens' girlfriend. I'll call her Elbow because Rista. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> They fuel me up. I get off the bike, take some water, and all of a sudden I start dry heaving. I I get sick. I'm done. Anyway, so I called my race. So I feel bad for it, for not, but it is what it is. Excuses, excuses, but we stayed there for a while till the race ended and packed up and headed out. Well, now you say you raced Wyoming and uh, saw some new... New Panaka? New Panaka, yeah. <laughs> right? So, Anyways. No, that's awesome that you guys, you know, jumped at that opportunity and went and raced in another state. Big shout out to those cool. guys. They're, they're a new organization, and they don't really have clubs. I guess they're just to the point where they're getting some clubs. So there was a club that put this race on, and they're small. Uh, I think they're called Badlands. Anyways, the guy that was running the start line, there were some issues. And he adapted so well, like he'd been doing it for a hundred years. It was impressive. There was, they had record numbers. They weren't expecting that many. So they doubled their numbers from their normal races. And there, he had to split some, some lines up and, and do some different starting situations, but he adapted in total professional and took over and we went racing. So yeah, if you gotta, if you need to find the positive in COVID, it's the, the turnout at these races is absolutely much bigger than it's ever been. So every event we've been to or heard about 
they're doubling in their numbers. That's awesome. Yeah. So I hope cool. it continues and we get through this COVID and it, we can put it behind us and we keep our numbers up to racing because it, we're having a blast. Yep. Awesome. Well, and I've said it before too on the whole thing, you know, going to Wyoming, the places dirt bikes will take us is just, you know, it's, there's nothing like it. Seeing and and the, the friends world. I meet from being on a dirt bike. Yep. It's yep. amazing. So get out and ride guys. Heck yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. We're going to take a little break. We're going to get uh, Jared Jardine and Austin Grease on the phone from Wara. Wyoming Off-Road Racing Association, and hear their story. So we'll be back here in a few. Looking forward to this interview. It shows that it goes up, Bedo. Here we are with Jared Jardine and Austin Grease from the Wyoming Off-Road Racing Association up in uh, Wyoming, Wara. How are you guys doing? Welcome, guys. Good. How are you guys? Good. So, Jared, you are the president and Austin is the vice president of Wara, correct? Yep. All right. Well, tell us about you guys. Where are you from or what, what's going on? Uh, we're based in Casper, Wyoming. Okay. Um, yeah, and what is it, our fourth year into this? So you you, you and uh, – so who who is the brainstorm behind Wara? What, where did that come from? Definitely Jared. Um yeah, kind of a uh, lack of racing in the area. Um, I mean, you got your local motocross, but we didn't have any off-road racing, so to speak, of any nature. Um, uh, you know, I, I work at one of the motorcycle shops in town, and um, Jared kind of found me through uh, just kind of talking through other riders and uh, um, kind of got to thinking, you know, I mean, we, we need some racing outside of motocross and kind of started out pretty uh, pretty loose, Uh get a get a race going and once we had a race going next thing you know we had a series that that's pretty cool that's yeah. i i know what it takes to to do a race uh and it it's pretty probably probably a lot of work doing it up there where there isn't any racing so that that's pretty phenomenal what you guys got going on well it is tough yeah we don't have the the uh population for a deep amount of you know volunteers right uh, and we'd rather see guys racing than you know volunteering so we have started oh last couple of years starting to form clubs around the state so that's been a help right uh, my brother the speed goats up in dubois they've this is their third year yeah coming up here next month so it's just a few guys up there and they do the same thing. And, uh, we roll in with the insurance and the scoring and all the back end stuff and help them put it on. Um, then last weekend there in Lyman, that was the Badlands motorcycle club. Um, yeah, same deal there. The Harris's, they put all that together. Then right. uh, we just kind of come down and help out in the back end of it. Very uh, cool. But, yeah, you guys, kind of the goal. you guys actually invited me and my girlfriend Ashley up, and we came up, made the drive, and uh, we were excited to to check off racing in another state, a new organization. And I got to say, you guys had it pretty well 
it seemed like you guys have been doing it for years. It was put together very well, I think. <clears throat> Thank you. Yeah, we fumbled through it. <laughs> well, you guys did good. I was impressed. I, I know I didn't come down and bug you. I know you were in scoring and sign-ups. I didn't want to come down and bug you because I know how it is, 100 different directions. So right. We got there Friday night and just kind of hung out in our pits and met new people and had a good time. Yeah. Corndog felt like he was at home. He said it looked a lot like Panaka out there. Yeah. The where we're from. So that style of dirt. Hey guys, how you doing? We're back. We had a little hiccup there, got disconnected. So we are back. Are you guys with us? Yep. All right. So Jared, let's jump into you. Let's start with you a little bit. Where did you come from? Where'd you grow up? Tell us what your passion is with dirt bikes. Yeah, we had a, I don't know, my dad always rode. He was in the industry. He built exhaust systems forever for uh, stuff and uh, sold that company in the mid-80s. And we moved to Wyoming in 88. But before that, we would always, um, oh, he'd always race desert, you know, the des out in the desert. My older brother did District 37 stuff. And what, oh, place. District 37? Yeah. And that's California, right? Right. Very cool. I don't know. They'd always do the Barstow to Vegas and a bunch of those races, I remember. And uh, yeah, he built pipes for ATK there in the early years and uh, when Crandall was riding those and uh, hung out with those, that family a bunch. We had a place out in Lucerne Valley. So we'd go riding every weekend almost. And yeah. And then, uh, Moved to Wyoming in the late 80s, 88. Did, did you not race District 37 because you were too young, or you just didn't have an interest in it yet? No, we were too young. I think I was only 12 when we moved. Okay. And my brother was younger yet, and that was really before they had any kind of peewee classes or small bike stuff, you know. About what year was that? Had to be 88, 87. Okay. So, yeah. And then, so you guys, the whole family up and moved and went to Wyoming? Yeah. And then uh, just kind of never really raced again, just kind of rode a bunch. And then here, a few years ago, we started going to some USRA races. And, you know, in the wintertime, and uh, me and my brother and a couple buddies and did a few of those. And it just seemed kind of pointless to drive <laughs> eight hours when we we're in the middle of some of the best riding around. So right. that's kind of when we, I got with Austin and we kind of started this deal. Very cool. Cool. Yeah. So what's it like for you guys hosting races out there, starting a new um, organization and all that? What's the process like to get rights to, to ride the, the land? Is it public land, private land, or what's that look like? A little bit of both. Um, Last weekend's was there in Lyman. That was on a, a private ranch, a uh, sheep ranch, a working sheep ranch. Um, Sean knows the family well there, the, the host there, the, the club member, club president there. So um, he swung that. Some of our stuff's on BLM. Um, some of it's on, uh, I guess you'd call it municipal ground, city-owned property at these different towns we go to. Um, 
lot of our races are shorter hair scrambles, I guess you'd call them, um, you know, five, seven, eight mile type of deals and, uh, go for two hours. But, um, I think our ultimate goal is to get more into the longer distance, you know, hare and hound type races, but, uh, right. as you know, that's a huge undertaking <laughs> and that's kind of where we're at right now, trying to get clubs around the state. You know, have you had to work with the BLM yet or have you been on any BLM land or just kind of keeping it city and private? No, we get some permits every year from the BLM. Okay. Um, how is how is the BLM to work with up in Wyoming? That's pretty simple. Okay. It's a two-page deal and that's it. Nice. I would it's say a the little thing there is just the just the time. Um, you know, it's simple but you got to have it in timely. Um, obviously they want um whatever if it's six months three months uh um that's that's really i guess if there's a bigger obstacle in it it would be timeline versus uh um as far as requirements i guess right yeah we deal with the blm down here i know we have to get ours in at least six months in advance to your event right sooner the better if you could do it a year in advance it it, it helps out with everybody right yeah, minimum of six months so it's crazy how much we do behind the scenes that the average racer doesn't see. And, and it's guys like you guys that, and us that make it happen, not, not to pat ourselves on the back or anything, but it, we do it for the love of the sport. I, I'm sure that's how you guys feel. Yeah. And that's been proven to us time and time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how's, how's you guys' turnout look? I mean, is it, has it been cool to watch it grow and and what's your rider turnout and that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's always positive. Um, I think we've been kind of growing steadily on our average numbers. Typically, we're 50 to 70 is a, what we can expect. Last weekend was 140, so we kind of doubled in there and that kind of – I think we expected it, but, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that um, – I guess it took longer than it should, but we still dropped the banner within 20 minutes of what we had scheduled. So, right. Yeah. It, it, we sat there for a little bit, but it wasn't bad. And you guys, the club, the Badlands, they, yeah. they adapted very well. The guy that was dropping the, or running the start line, Sean, yeah, Harris. Sean, he, he adapted very well, and I was impressed. I don't know if he's been around the desert scene or racing scene very much but the way he adapted and made things change when they needed it as far yeah. as changing you know the line would be too big so he would split it up and he just took over like he'd been doing it for 40 years so that was awesome yeah he's been around the sport for a long time um yeah so he's been around the block and uh everything um Starley helps us a bunch. Stevens there. I know he's a member of your club. Right. Um, yep. Stevens. Yep. Yeah. He was your, your hair this weekend. Yeah. He just decided to do that in line. <laughs> yeah. When he was entering. I, so I know I texted him the other day afterwards and, you know, cause he went his way and we went our way and I, we were texting each other, checking on each other. And I said, it was good to see you, bunny. And like two days later, he texts me back. He goes, man, I just saw that. 
I thought it said buddy, but it said bunny. Right. <laughs> um, that's funny. Yeah, there's some good guys. So um, go back a little bit farther, Jared. What was your first bike? Uh, it was like an 80 or 79 YZ80. And then, yeah. well, originally, I don't know. We all had those little Indians. <laughs> those little, what were they, 50s or something. Yeah. I know you're a big boy. I know you're a big boy now, not fat per se and no, no harm meaning, but you're pretty tall. You're a big boy. Um, Were you big when you were little like that? And those bikes were just too small for you or did you hit a growth spurt when you were older? Yeah, no, we're all, the the whole family's big. My dad's six, six. (laughs) Um, My brother's big. My sister's big. Uh, yeah, we're all a big family in Norwegians. Um, How tall are you? Six, six. Six, six. So. Yeah. So what is your bike now? You obviously you've got off that little 80. <laughs> yeah. I got an old KX 500. There you go. Yeah. Like a 90, 80. Yeah. 90 model. So do you get a chance to race now or are you kind of stuck doing scoring and, and running the whole show? Kind of, no, I haven't had a chance, really. Right. And that's fine with me. I never, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, those, all them other guys, the 140 that raced this weekend, I mean, it kind of, you, you ran the show as far as the scoring and the signups. And and if it wasn't you sitting there, you know, would there be somebody? Right. So we appreciate you doing what you do and yeah no it's fine. every organization has a guy that sits there or several guys to make it happen sure so that's awesome thank you uh, so austin let's jump over to you a little bit yeah uh I, obviously i didn't get a chance to meet you this last weekend so uh tell us who you are where you came from what you're doing yeah, and let's just go. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll go con- chronologically, I guess. Um, yeah, uh, kind of younger version of entering into the motorsports industry, I guess. Uh, uh, goes back to Nintendo is Excite Bike. Um, <laughs> it, you, I guess uh, motorcycles were always something that were uh, uh, almost outside of reach. Um, then uh, a, a Supercross came to town that I think I can't remember if it was a neighbor or a family member. It wasn't immediate family. It took us uh, to the Supercross. It's probably eight or nine. Um, Where was that at? That was in Greeley, Colorado. Um, so I grew up in northern Colorado. Um, okay. I moved up to Wyoming, I guess, um, probably about, uh, it's been about 10 years now. But that was uh, where I lived for the first 22 years of life. Um, so I guess after seeing Supercross, uh, that was when it was exposed to me that I uh, uh, they made bikes for little kids. Um, after that, it was uh, everything I could do to get a little bike. Not having parents in the sport or anything like that, it was really a push on my end, I guess. Um, took until I was 12 mowing lawns to raise the money to buy a bike. Um, my first bike was a 1989 Kawasaki KDX, or yeah, KDX80. Uh, little trail bike with eight inch rims, steel rims, um, is a little two stroke. So I felt cool until my friends had their like RM eighties. Uh, 
but uh, <laughs> I, I jumped the crap out of that thing at the motocross track until the gas tank kind of blew out because there's a metal gas tank and the frame went through it. Um, oh, kind of exhausted that bike. Um, from there, kind of worked my way into the motocross scene in Colorado, rode, um, I wouldn't say regularly, but I, I would race so probably three, four races a summer uh, throughout high school. And then, um, uh, you know, somehow uh, it just stayed in my blood, kept racing bikes uh, a little bit at a time, but mostly just free riding on the weekends or track riding on the weekends. Um, somehow fumbled my way into a job in a motorcycle store after college. And uh, what I thought was kind of a childhood uh, pastime turned into, I guess, a complete lifestyle. Um, you know, I guess from there, uh, we have an enduro shop here uh, selling kind of off-road, a lot of two-strokes. Um, uh, you know, everyone wants their woods bike, um, even though we're in Wyoming and there's not a ton of trees, as you saw. Um, but, uh, yeah. And then, uh, uh, a few years into that, um, of course I always had that idea of running my own race, but, uh, I, I would have never have guessed, uh, it was going to turn into multiple races, let alone, uh, we'd be running this series. Uh, Jared approached me like, like we kind of talked about about four years ago. And, um, you know, I, I kind of entertained the idea of doing a race. Uh, he held on, he held strong to doing a series and, um, I'm still here along for the ride four years later. That's cool. So are you in a club also, or do you just kind of help run the organization and help the clubs that are in there? Uh, correct. Yeah. I would say, uh, just, uh, the overlying Wara organization. Um, you know, uh, with that said, uh, the, the club thing is the last few, last couple years, um, the first few races, I'd say our first two years of operation, it was every race was, uh, I, I guess, set up from course to permits and everything was uh, completely Jared and I and, oh, I guess, intermittent volunteers. Um, okay. So, so we still do host um, a handful of races ourselves. Um, the clubs are certainly nice because it allows, uh, it allows for kind of some variety in courses uh, rather than just having whatever Jared and I think should be a course, we get Sean's input or, uh, or Tyler's input and Dubois. And, um, and, uh, and locally we even got a, a new club started up here too, I, I guess. So we've got the North Platte Enduro guys here and uh, they'll take over some of the Casper races, but um, you know, I think it's kind of nice to host a race every once in a while, just ourselves as well. Yeah, that's really cool, man. You guys are uh, desert heroes in my eyes. I mean, that's something that, you know, some of us, a lot of us maybe dreamed of doing as a kid is hosting a race or, you know, uh, putting on an organization like you guys have done. And honestly, phenomenal job of getting it off the ground. And four years later, you got clubs formed. And how cool is that to, you know, start an organization yeah that's, that's awesome pretty cool because our organization that we race out of moran it was started back in like 1968 and most of the the footprint has been there you know we we change things from year to year to, to make the sport better but in the most part everything was set in a footprint already we just kind of come in and make it a little better right try to 
Yeah, and that's so, kind of off you guys. Well, thanks. Not, thanks. Yeah, not too many guys can pull it off. So, well, I think it's never awesome been. Uh, I don't, it's, they used to race off road around here back in the late seventies, early eighties. But it, the, yeah, and it so was always uh, kind of one-off races, though. It was never. Yeah. I don't think anything was ever organized. Um, yeah, you'd get. Oh, they would do a like a twelve-hour race or um, or a point-to-point or something. But yeah, it was always something almost i guess um it would be an annual event but there was never a, a series to follow where you could get points and uh and race against the same guys week after week or, or month after month so how many rounds roughly do you guys have seven seven rounds and do you have a championship for yeah the series or how's that yeah we work? just started that last year i'm hoping this year we implement some you know um championship prizes i guess or yeah actually be able to give them something physical as a reward yeah cool but uh yeah no it's it's been kind of easy i shouldn't say easy but it's been i don't know the racers are super supportive and i mean i think most everybody that was at our first race is still racing with us today so and then it's kind of neat too is like now these guys are meeting guys from three counties away and they're actually like (laughs) You know, they never knew each other existed before we started, and now making riding buddies. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, A lot of bench racing going on. <laughs> yeah, so. so it's it's been easy that way. Is uh, you know, we've made mistakes and everything, and everybody stuck with us and kind of been supportive through it. And, uh, and then, as far as classes go, you guys have like what ABC classes or expert pro. Yeah, we got a you know, pro expert amateur. What? Yeah, pro expert, intermediate and novice. Um, then expert, we got expert open vet and senior, intermediate vet and senior, and open novice open vet and senior. Then we got a uh, kids classes, um, junior peewee, schoolboy intermediate and schoolboy novice, and those are all small bike. And then we started. A couple years ago, what we call schoolboy experts. So that's fast little kids that'll run with the big bikes. So it's kind of giving them a stepping stone up into the big bike classes. Um, yeah, tra- transition class or something. Exactly. Yeah. So that's cool. been getting pretty popular because I'm, mean, you know, a lot of them kids get kind of bored, um, you know, racing on the small course in the mornings. Um, so yeah, we've tried that out and that seems to be taken off. So uh, then we got women's and then we also have a women's novice, which the women's novice would run in the morning with the small bikes. Um, mm. A lot of the moms and stuff like to do that with their kids. And yeah, so. That's so what I got a personal question. So what is your personal favorite area to ride in Wyoming? And what type of terrain? What type of terrain is it? I don't know. There's some neat stuff over by Jackson that I've always liked. It's more, uh, you know, woods and mountains. I mean, it's. I don't. I don't think I got like a a favorite favorite. I think I. Could. I thought I was going to woods and mountains last weekend. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all on the western side. That John Denver. He's. <laughs> yeah, full of it. <laughs> no, the western side of the state's all the pretty stuff. We'll have to make a trip that way one time and yeah. hit another one. 
Right. I would, uh, I would kind of follow that a little, I guess. Um, you know, if, if there's a favorite spot, I, I, I'm kind of a glutton for the, the single track and the technical stuff. Um, I guess in my free time, um, the desert's absolutely a blast when you start getting side by side racing and everything. But, uh, you know, going out on my own, uh, I'd say, um, there's a couple little honey holes around here as far as little 12 mile single track loops. Um, but, uh, um, you get up towards the Northeast side of the state over towards South Dakota. Um, they put on, they used to put on a national enduro up in Upton and, um, that's some fun riding there. Twisty turny, um, a lot more single track beating against the bark and everything rather than the open terrain. Nice. Cool. Um, going back a little bit, talking about your, your classes and, and how you run it. Did you kind of study other organizations or to kind of find like where to begin or did you guys just do it off the top of your head? Yeah. A lot of our stuff's right off the USRA. Okay. Because that's a lot of guys around here um, race down there in the winters. And then I know um, a lot of their guys come up here. So we tried to keep them there. But, again, we just don't have the, the entries to support, you know, 70 classes. So um, right. and the that- first year we did a lot of those classes and we ended up, you know, one guy in one class and, so yeah. we've kind of been paring them down to get where we got. I think I don't think anybody's super outclass in a class, and I don't think anybody's way behind in a class. Yeah, and, right. Um, and we got you know big numbers. So, um, and that was something like like Jared saying, yeah, we started out um, probably with way too many classes. Um, uh, kind of narrowing that down, we kind of got rid of we got rid of displacements, and there was a little bit of pushback. But um, you know, I think I think the results I'll show you. I mean, especially in this open train riding, especially when we start mixing open plus technical, um, you know, a guy's going to show up on the bike he's comfortable on. I mean, uh, it we don't have necessarily those 400 entries to to really break it down into 250s and 450s. Uh, so. It's worked out okay so far, and I think you know as it grows, we can readdress it. But it it seems to be doing okay, right? And that's kind of the, uh, one of the problems—not problems, but challenges we have in our organization. It's it's changing. It seems like every two three years we got to change up some classes just because, for one, maybe a bike manufacturer makes a different bike, or or there's a whole bunch of thirty year olds and not. 35 year old you know at one time we had a 30 class a 35 class 40 45 but that's when there was a lot of people showing up the races and you know over the years we, we change sure to adapt to adapt so i'm sure as you guys grow you'll be restructuring and and learning and changing as you go yeah exactly um, so out of your seven races in your series i think that's what you said are they all desert or I think I saw something about some ice racing. Yeah. That's in the winter. We started doing that. So is that part of the series? The no, ice more of a, that's a winter deal. Of course. I would um, say, yeah. Exhibition race, just get you out on your bike, get some gas going through it. So it's, it's so if you have thing. like a year in champion, that, that ice race won't be part of that 
No, 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 that's like a whole different. We do that with okay. uh, some people over in Riverton, uh, our okay. town, a couple hours from here. Um, nice. We used to do it a bunch back in the day. Then it kind of went away. Then we started it going again here a couple of years ago. Um, but it's so yeah, we run. So what's that like? Expand on that a little bit. Like, what's the how long's the course and how do you lay it out? And all it's that? just it's and a like setup. It's a little TT course. You know, it's not a big long course. It's just a little track. Yeah. Um, we run. Uh, we run everything out there. We have motorcycles side by sides four wheelers dogs i mean rips, whatever you got <laughs> so it's a it's a loop thing yeah or it's just it a little like on a river it's on a lake or a, or a river on a lake on a lake okay. so a fro obviously the lake is frozen yeah no it's yeah. <laughs> obviously in the winter yeah. up there and we're from down here so it probably doesn't get as cold here as it does right up there Maybe up in the mountains where I work, we have a little lake and it freezes in the winter, but sometimes you can go on it. Sometimes you can't it just depends right. on the winter. I think one of our races this year, um, uh, the high for the day was negative 11 out there. So yeah, it's, it's pretty solid. <laughs> wow. So how do you set your bike up for a rice racing? Well, the bikes, there's, we got two classes. It's called a short screw and a long screw. The short screw, it's a, it looks like a sharpened sheet metal screw. It's not big mm. spiky things or anything like that. And they're about, oh, uh, I think they're a half inch long. Yeah, half inch, three quarters of an inch long. And you just run those right into your knobbies. Um, From in, inside out, obviously. No, right? outside in. So, yeah, the head's actually sticking out. The, the threads go into your, um, uh, into your lug. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the head just, it's a, it's called a cold cutter screw. If you're on the internet, you can look at that. Um, it's just a sharpened sheet metal screw. Um, you got to put what a thousand in a bike at least. Oh, I probably, yeah, I would say yeah, a thousand to 1500 screws go in the front and rear tires total. Wow. And then, uh, yeah, so then that's the short screw. Then they the got what's called a long screw class, and you actually have a, a a liner inside your tire. Usually it's like a street bike tire with a bead cut off, and then you run like an inch and a half long screw. So it goes in through the knobby and then into that liner, and they get real stiff. There's no deflection in it. And hmm. That's the fast guys run those, and they get they're pretty they're pretty damn sticky. So, I mean, there's no wiggle to them. Even the the short screw bikes are pretty, pretty sticky too. But and there's guys out there; they're dragging their pegs around corners and everything. And oh, it's it's impressive to watch. It's uh, it's a blast to do too. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah, we, I can't even imagine it. That's crazy. Yeah. It's a lot of mind over matter because you're just doing something that just doesn't feel. Doesn't seem like it should be right. Right, but the harder you push the bike, it's almost like it just it gets. It responds better, yeah. Better it grips and better. 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 Uh, Corn dog, you think they'll let us run one up at uh, Eagle Valley this year? Uh, <laughs> our lake, our lake up there. Corn dog works for the uh, state parks. State parks, and and they've got a couple of lakes that freeze over. We do like uh, they do a golf tournament on ice and a couple of things like that. But. Sure. I'm sure they wouldn't let us run up there. It's state it, park. It'd so. be fun. Maybe we'll just set up a bike to do that. We'll just go 
act like we're camping or something at night and just go run the go lake. Rip through it. Yeah, go try it out. <laughs> oh, that'd be hilarious. But no, it's fun. We run four wheelers at that deal and um, side by sides and yeah. I know I rode a side-by-side on our frozen lake this last year. I was setting up for the golf tournament. Right. Obviously, there was no screws in the tires, but I was having fun. I was sitting there spinning. You know, you get going, and then all of a sudden you gas it or you you turn your wheel and you spin. Right. Drifting and stuff, so. Yeah. Good thing thing I didn't yell that, but. Right. (laughs) I was playing. We'll set yeah, up your bike and then go cool. out and use it to set up your golf course. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So that ice race, and that's just like a fun event that you guys do to get people out of the house in the wintertime. Yeah, and a, a lot of our our racers go do it. Um, yeah, there's some cool. old war horses over there, the fast guys from back in the day. They're still doing it, and yeah, they're – fast on it yeah so they're i don't know what we do last year four of them five of them four i think there was four total four yeah yeah and that that's besides the seven in your series basically. yeah that's a totally different deal so in your series you, you basically do it when it's not winter and the weather's fairly good i guess and and it's your seven race Summer series, I guess you would call it. Yeah, usually we can get started in April-ish up here. All April's right. a little bit messy, but yeah, it seems like whenever we schedule, it's you're bound to get weather anyways. Um, so might as well just put them on the put them on the calendar and see what happens. <laughs> yep. Then we'll run through. I think September. September. There's been a couple dates in October in the past up here. Of course, hunting season really interferes with that. So we've noticed yeah if we can be finished up in september you don't you don't put on a race for 20 people there in october right yeah makes sense so do you guys do any team races or anything like that we've dabbled in the team classes and yeah it seems like our the guys who've gotten into the teams have just went ahead and got uh, they're running on their own now yeah yeah i think um you know it's something if there's enough interest it, it what I always thought, I, I growing up in Northern Colorado too, our hair scramble series, um, the teams were always made up of all the motocross kids, whereas the individuals were more your kind of your off-road riders. Um, mm-hmm. And we want to, I guess, if there's a way of attracting that newer guy, the the team seems to be the way to do it. Um, it I, I, I guess my own personal opinion is um, if you have a team with two super fast guys on it, um, you know, that's cool. But if the other five teams in the race are all just getting into it, um, I, I guess it's a little humbling, but it might be a little bit deterring too, especially if that's the first event you got them to. Uh, right. So makes sense. The team's a little touchy. Um, I don't know that we have, I, I guess you want to be able to put enough teams out there that it's its own class. And I, I think it's kind of, it's silly to have a team class and only have four riders participate in only two teams, I guess. Right. Yeah. There's got to be interest and in, yeah. And like same here. Moran doesn't do any team races other than their night series. So we do a night series where we do night racing. Right. And uh, we'll run from like 
9 p.m. till 1 a.m. So it's a four-hour race, about a 16-mile loop, and you get in about nine laps. Right. And that that's usually a team event. So, I mean, they have Ironman class, but otherwise it's, you know, team up with two or three other guys, and so a team of three. And, uh, yeah, I just did one this past weekend. It's a lot of fun. You get quite a few entries in those, or is it pretty popular? So typically we'll see about 75. So our desert series, we'll usually see 100 to 150 riders right. typically. And then in the night, night races, usually we'll see about 75 to 100 riders. So you get about 30 to, to 50 teams. Gotcha. Um, this last one, typical to all the races we've had in the last couple months, it was a huge showing. We haven't seen that many at a night race. If I don't know if ever we've seen that many, but we had uh, almost like 50, 53 teams, okay. something like that. And um, so 150 riders at a night race, which is, yeah, we've, I don't think we've ever pulled that many. So it was cool. Black it was fun. They share a bike. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Each team rides the same bike. You set it up with lights and then uh, pit row, you know, they just, pull in swap riders and take off on the same bike mm-hmm. yeah we were always wanting or i was always wanting to do a 12 hour but nobody <laughs> <laughs> all my other helpers are they've shot that down several times right yeah that's a they, that's a huge undertaking have but, you guys ever thought about now that you're going or whatever or maybe you do um traveling and going to other organizations like do you still hit the Utah series at all or, or anything like that? I have it or my brother hasn't in the last couple of years. We were talking about it again, maybe trying to get down there this winter and do a few of them. Um, kind of one thing to that is uh, we've, we've worked, we've worked with other series. So uh, like XC208 over in Idaho, um, we'll share a race with them and kind of call it a border war. And then, uh, so our Dubois race is open to their schedule as well. So, so it adds a race to our series and it adds a race to their series. And we kind of have a, kind of a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a cross club rivalry between the two races. If they can get whatever kind of um, results in our Dubois race versus us over there in their Idaho falls race, um, kind of, it kind of, at least kind of shares, um, shares between the series. Um, we do the same thing up in Montana and kind of uh, it allows us to, have uh, i guess a little bit more uh i guess track diversity as well as uh get some new people involved in both clubs very cool well i'm gonna throw this out there you guys are invited to my race october 3rd down here in caliani okay cool yeah it'd be pretty cool to see you guys come down all right obviously our race is usually in may right 16th but with the way the world is this year we got bumped to october third okay so come on down yeah i think me and my brother were looking at that a few years ago the may one okay but we never got that's the ground shakers race and uh yeah me and eric are both in the ground shakers and and you guys are more than welcome bring a whole bunch of people yeah maybe we'll go slumming (laughs) we're uh working on racing through town oh yeah so so we're gonna try to we pretty much got approved from the city so we're gonna try to put something together in town and go see if I can get that little section approved. So it's going to be pretty fun. Like 
old school. It's our 55th anniversary. So we're trying to go back like they used to back in the 70s, 80s and race through town. That's like the old Annalino race, too, these two. Right. right. So while we're on that topic, one of the things that we try to do here that like Corndog did just this last week, he goes in and meets with the city and and kind of promotes the race, talks to them about, you know, bringing business into the the community. And they have what's called the LCAT, which is Lincoln County Tourism Group. Right. And, uh, you know, we reach out with those guys and those guys actually sponsor a little bit of money towards the race to help promote and get people to, to bring tourism into the community. So I don't know if that's something you guys do, but we do a couple, uh, Oh, we put on a race up the road here a little bit in a little town called Edgerton. It's population 300. If that 197, 197. (laughs) We start downtown by the bars and drag race up the street and then back out onto some of their property. Then we hold the awards downtown at their bar at a bar there in town. And they do a little barbecue for us and raise some money there. Then also uh, my brother's racing Dubois. They have uh, the fire department does their Buffalo barbecue every year. And it's like the, you know, it's a big city picnic town that sounds good yeah that sounds fun man (laughs) so then we do the same thing there after the race we do the awards down there they get tickets to hand to the winners and stuff for the barbecue so yeah it's always try to get the towns involved and show them that yeah we're bringing guys and they've always seemed to be appreciative yeah it seems like the the small towns are really receptive i mean you show up with 150 people to a to a town of 1500 it's a it's a big impact um in town here in here in casper sixty thousand people you know we've talked to kind of similar to your organization we have one that uh does um uh, i can't remember the name of them right now but yeah basically they get all their funding from the hotels so if you're able to show that you're going to get people to stay overnight um they'll they'll kick some funding your way a little bit harder to pull off when when your your scale is again 150 people but now we're at a town of 60,000 versus the 1500 so um yeah absolutely uh the the small towns are very receptive is kind of what we found that's cool yeah oh what, what's our population here eric so caliani is about 1200 panaca is about 900 pioch 900 and alamo is about 800 900 so yeah, it's so, about like Dubois to be comparable. A lot of a lot of small towns and you know fifteen twenty mile distance apart. Sure. And uh, but Kent, like the Lincoln County area is really big on um, racing and and there's a lot of off road events held here. They do you know the Snore Group does a car race. Right. Desert, Desert does cars, bikes, UTVs. And then Moran has what four or five races up this way at mm-hmm. least. Yeah. Gotcha. So some phenomenal riding around here. Awesome, awesome trails out here. Yep. That's cool. So we'll see you here in October. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh hope we can make it. Austin yeah. rode it down here, so yeah, we'll 
we'll put out the bat signal. Yeah. I think the turn. <laughs> cool. Cool. So what, what is your guys' next race on your schedule or how many do you have left of the year? We got, uh, three. Our next one's, uh, August 8th in Dubois. And that's your brother, brother Tyler's race, right? Yeah. With the speed goats. That's the club there. Um, him and Trevor Deacons put that one on. Um, and then we got Midwest and Casper, right? Yeah. Midwest, Edgerton, and then uh, the North Platte Enduro has their race here at the end of the end of August. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I was pulling that up. No, right? end of – they're in September. So, so did you guys have to change any dates around or anything with the – the COVID and the pandemic stuff going on. Did any of that affect you guys? Yeah. Our first race got scratched. And then the second uh, race fell apart. <laughs> yeah. Then the second race <laughs> fell apart halfway through it. Uh, we had to stop it 40 minutes into it. Uh, a little bit more. I think there's about 40 minutes left. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, the county, the county wasn't quite on board and they decided to yank the ambulance on us. Uh, somehow the health commissioner, uh, um, I, it, they, they had apparently said there was supposed to be a bunch of special stuff going on that was never brought to our attention in the process. Um, and then, uh, yeah, yanked the ambulance. And of course we just black flagged it, black flagged it at that point, not to, put anyone's uh, health at risk there. Uh, obviously what they thought they were trying to do, they made worse. I thought, <laughs> right, um, right. yeah, that one was kind of, um, uh, it was kind of, I think the racers were receptive. I mean, they were, they were on our side. It was, it was a crappy situation. Um, you know, it was, uh, hopefully something, uh, we're able to overcome and go back to that venue and come back and, uh, I guess, uh, uh, shake hands and do it do it to everyone's standards. Um, but those were the two obstacles. It seems like everything else has been, um, stable at this point, kind of going back to, I I guess not necessarily normal, but at least able to pull off what we want to pull off. Right. Well, obviously it didn't affect your rate, your racers because you doubled your entries this last weekend. So it sounds like you got a bunch of good guys and girls that are behind everything you guys are doing. Yeah, we do, and we're fortunate for that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We've uh, put them through some stuff with our learning curve, but <laughs> seem to keep coming back. So, yeah. They got nowhere else to go. <laughs> yeah. <we've... laughs> hey, they come to Caliani. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, it sounds like you guys are doing a good job of, of keeping, keeping things going and progressing and moving forward, and it's awesome to see uh you know an organization grow like that so and and see desert racing grow but um austin question for you so who has been your biggest influence in racing oh gosh um you know i guess as a as a kid um i I always looked up to i guess kind of chad reed on the motocross side of things um i guess my more immediate hero now is uh um I, i guess i I go chase around Andrew short. Now I follow his little path. Uh, I watch him go from motocross into the off-road stuff. And he did a event up here and uh, I was totally like a little girl following around. It's like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's Andrew short. Um, so, uh, you, you know, I mean, I don't know if, if he, if he catches us for some reason, Andrew, I'm out here. 
<laughs> Pick me on a ride. Yeah, yeah, it's super cool seeing Shorty do the car and do some of this off-road stuff and, and watching him excel at it. So, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Jared, what about – what about you for who's your been your biggest influence in racing? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to say probably Chris Crandall and, uh, Danny Hamill. Danny Hamill. Danny was kind of a bigger dude and yeah, ass. And I always thought, well, if he can do it, I should be able to, but right. it hasn't worked that way yet. But. <laughs> Hit that throttle on that KX. Right. Yeah, but we need you on that computer board running this this uh, organization. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Chris was always fast and manhandled that old ATK and stuff. He did amazing things on that bike for what it was back in the day. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, where where do you see... What, what do you see in the future for Wara? Are you going to keep going? Uh, what are some of your goals in the next few years? I think just keep building the clubs up. And, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not tired of it yet. Um, <laughs> a lot of times Saturday night I wonder what the hell I'm doing this for. But then, you know, <laughs> come Monday yep. you're, you're, you're making plans for the next one and what to make better already. And, yeah. Um, absolutely i get the clubs get our clubs going and get more of those around the state and get the ones that we do have more volunteer you know more members and um build those up i would like to see us get into longer distance you know more hare and hound type um uh-huh. situations and that comes along with the clubs because the clubs are usually at the at the street level there they know the local climate they know the people around they know you know, it's kind of hard for me and Austin to come blowing in and, and ask some dude to go use his property, you know. Right. Um, yeah, where that's been, that's kind of how the race happened last weekend. Sean formed his club down there. We told him we'd support him and kind of work together and um, take a lot of the pressure off the back end and all that stuff that comes along with it and just where he can concentrate on. Uh, making the course and handling that end of it so right it's kind of the the vision do you guys offer any kind of uh extra points in your series for club members or are you guys still too new with with the club side of it to be able to do that oh we can and that's been discussed but honestly i think right now um i'd rather see you guys racing right um, you know, and I mean, if we can get to that point where we got, you know, a club with 10, 15 members deep, you know, or something like that, where a few of their, you know, guys can go race and represent the club in the race, um, you know, then at that point, yeah, but um, two, like I, I know my brother doesn't chase points, so that's not important to him there uh john doesn't down there so but yeah right something that's always on the horizon right yeah once you get bigger and 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 uh working on all that you can implement that into your program and sure i i know the way we do it i don't know if you're familiar but 
in Moran, they have, I think there's 11 clubs. So each club holds a race. Right. But when it's their race, they don't, they don't race it. They're not allowed to race their own race. Right. But, but we've set up a point structure to where every race they race, they get an X amount of points, including their race. So it pretty much has come to the point where you have to be in a club to get full points for your championship at the end of the year. Gotcha. And it works out. Some people don't like it, but without us having clubs and how without people being involved, involved in, in, in donating their own time, their own money, this wouldn't happen. And it's, I say we have a sickness. I have a sickness and I have family members and work people at work. They just don't understand what we do, (laughs) Right, but do it for the love of the sport. Exactly. Yeah, no, I'll have to look at that. We've been looking at several systems. That sounds interesting, though. Right. Well, I know if you guys ever have any questions, me and Eric are available whenever. Throw us a call, a message, a text, whatever. Totally. Even if you have an idea and, you know, maybe our our organization has seen it or tried it and we'll let you know yay or nay. Right. Yeah, totally. That's what it takes. Yeah, no sense reinventing the wheel, right? <laughs> right. You know, it, it seems like sometimes we we try to, and we just, it either works or it doesn't. Right. Yeah. Um, so, off topic, another question about just dirt bikes in general. What is something that's on your bucket list as far as bikes that you haven't done or accomplished yet uh i'd say six days <laughs> so nice i guess that would be uh, uh, uh hopefully not a pipe dream but down the road here a couple years or so very cool yeah you ever done any like uh the 24 hour or 12 hour at Glen helen i haven't i've actually only been out to Glen helen a, a couple of times for uh um like dealer stuff for beta actually. Um, okay. You know, I haven't, I haven't ridden out West too much. Um, need to get out kind of out there and do a lot of that. Cause I know you go all up and down the whole, uh, the whole West coast. You got, I think they do some 12 or 24 hour stuff at Washougal as well. Um, I think it'd be cool to get out and do a couple of those. Um, yeah. Get a team together or, um, or even just Ironman it. Right. Right. Well, if you ever want to come down and join one of these events that we go to, come tag along with us. I know me and my girlfriend both have been racing, and we've been doing some Glen Helen, the SRA GPs. Uh, we've been doing the best in the desert in Moran, of course. Yeah. Uh, Eric goes down to Baja every year, a couple times a year, which is now on my goal. I've never been to Baja. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, Oddly enough, even out of here in Casper, gosh, there's a, a, a there's a handful of people that come through our store all the time. That I mean, Baja is is part of their annual routine, um, which is kind of cool. Knowing, uh, especially the distance it is from here, there's a, there's a good amount that go down there. Right. What what shop are you at? Are you at a dealer or a what do you? Yeah, it's a it's a dealership, and actually, I kind of got involved uh, as the owners. Uh, I was their first employee. So I've been, been there since the conception of it. Um, it's a beta gas, gas dealer, um, kind of 
you know, started as uh, very much a purist thing. And, um, you know, we deviated a little, but it sounds like we're kind of coming back around to go to that too. Uh, you know, I, I look at a wall full of chainsaws every day and wonder what we're doing, but we're starting <laughs> to get back to the dirt bike stuff again. So it's, it's good. <laughs> so do you ride a beta? Um, actually right now. So, um, you know, I had a gas gas, uh, and then of course with their transition, um, being purchased by KTM, um, I, I sold that, uh, beginning of this year. I'm actually, uh, slumming it on a YZ 125 right now. Just, uh, I don't know, kind of bringing back the kid in me. Yeah. I'm on, I'm on, I have a new 2022 stroke, the 250 Yamaha. Yeah. (laughs) Um, my nephew actually runs the beta shop in Vegas, uh, sportsman cycle. Oh, cool. And so I've thought about the beta too, but I don't know. And Eric's on a KTM. And I'm sure I'll find my way back on a beta again. Uh, I had one last year and it's an awesome bike. Um, uh, yeah, I, I guess right now it was just uh, uh, get something cheap, get through the rest of the summer and figure it out again uh, next time around. Right, right. Yeah, the betas are a good bike. I, I got the opportunity to race one in the silver state 150 i think it was two or three years ago um, we raced the beta 480 and man that bike just pulled and pulled and pulled for days man it was yeah. it was pretty neat uh felt a little little different than your you know japanese bikes but it's it's a well-built bike and yeah they're fun Oh, we've, we've put a couple of those 480s on uh, snow bike kits, too. Uh, of course, being Wyoming, where we're covered in snow most of the time. Um, yeah, they got some power, um, yep. and they'll turn those track kits pretty good, too. Cool. When you guys aren't on the bikes, what do you guys do for fun? I, I heard you say something about hunting. Uh, you just – is it all dirt bikes, or what do you do away from dirt bikes? Oh gosh, uh, I got a foosball table. And <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played foosball since probably '78. Yeah, Austin's the foosball champion. Yeah, right on. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It's a, um, you know, it's kind of it's become my identity. Um, you know, I, um, there's always little projects here and there that I find myself doing. I guess at home or around the house. I, the occasional hike with the dog and the girlfriend, but yeah, it's, it's dirt bikes, I guess. Yeah. And we have a sickness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what about you, Jared? What do you do for fun on the side? That's about it. Yeah. I try to go do some fishing and stuff, but yeah, usually it seems to uh, revolve back to bikes. My sons, they're both, you know, they're off their 85s now. So it's, um, we can actually go do stuff, you know, go riding instead of just, uh, you know, around the truck and stuff and little short rides, you know? So yeah, we haven't had much of a chance yet this summer, but you know, to go on longer rides and do stuff like that. But yeah, um, it always seems to come back around to that, either working on them or riding them. Cool. Right. Yeah. Well, do you guys, um, we're, I know we're getting close to here taking the break or calling it a show, but do you guys have anything else you guys just want to throw out there or um, how about you, Eric? You got anything else? 
No, just, uh, you know, again, props to you guys for what you've done and pulling this together in the last four years and, and the progress you guys have made and just keep up the hard work. I know it's a ton of hard work and you guys, uh, you know, have probably had several different challenges with hosting an event or, or right. putting together an organization, but kudos to you guys for doing it and putting that yeah, work thank in. You. I'm excited to see you guys grow and I'm excited if you guys need any help. What I don't know what I could do, but we're here for you. Yeah, no, it's always appreciated. Yeah, it's uh yeah, everybody, uh the Lundgreens there at USRA, they've been more than supportive. Um you guys as well and yeah, and around and around. So it's all we're all kinda in this together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and you guys coming up to our event too. I mean, I, that that means a ton. I mean, it's it's cool to have our racers, and absolutely, we expect to have uh, the Wyoming crowd involved. Um, but yeah, anytime we're getting guys traveling to come to our events, it's just a kind of a, a, a almost a, a little bit more of a sense of accomplishment. Like we're we're pulling something off. We're actually uh, we're making traction here. So yeah, thanks for coming up. Right, cool. Well, real quick before we go, let's. Uh... Tell us when your next event is, a little bit about that. Uh, I don't know if you have a flyer yet, but if you have a flyer, send it to me. We could post it with this podcast. Share it on our Instagram and share it. Facebook. Uh, get some more racers out there to you guys. Yeah, I texted you the, the flyer there this, this morning. Okay. Um, it's in Dubois, August the 8th. It's going to be a hair scramble type of deal. We race for two hours. I think the course is going to be about a five and a half miles long. It's uh, some neat uphills and downhills and ravines and open country. Um, Dubois is a little bit more of uh, probably what you imagine a Wyoming to. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So we got it all out here, but that one's, uh, yeah, that's kind of a little more representative of, of, uh, I guess, what TV tells us we are. Yeah. Cool. Cool. 3,500 added cash pro payout so nice uh yeah yeah make it worth your while yeah august 8th we'll have to check our schedule maybe we'll take a trip up there real quick yeah it's over on the western side of the state okay about an hour from yellowstone man right over there hour from jackson i just put in for a week and a half off for girlfriend is racing in vegas to reno so i don't know if i could do all that right <laughs> i if i come up there i'd want to stay yeah right uh, all right guys well we gotta uh in this before we get shut down or right. shut off no so, thanks for having us and it means a lot heck yeah and uh spread the word out there about our podcast we'll we'll spread the word about you guys and again excited to watch you guys grow and Thank you for your hospitality this last weekend with me and my girlfriend. Awesome event. Look forward to possibly doing some more. And again, if you guys want to come down here and race, you are invited. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, (laughs) we'll make that happen. The wheels are turning. (laughs) Right. So, all right, guys. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Good luck. Okay. Thank you guys. Keep, keep it up. Right. All right. We'll see you on the other side. Okay, later. Have a good night. You too, bye. Bye. Hey, guys, you got a dog? Give him something to do while you're out riding.
pick up an organic antler chew from Throw Me a Bone. They have nine essential nutrients and minerals that a dog needs. They won't splinter or stink like other chews on the market. Go check them out at theantlerchew.com. It's simple. Order some antler chews and go ride. Your dog will love you. For 10% off, type in the promo code, The Desert Dirt Biker. It is now time for the tip of the show, brought to you by Throw Me a Bone at theantlerchew.com. Go check them out. Look them up on, your web, on their website and get your dog a chew. My dog has one. She loves it. Anyways, this week's or this episode's tip of the show is pre-planning for racing and bike prep for the longer distant races. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to Eric and uh, he's got some stuff he wants to go over. So Eric, here you go, buddy. Thanks, Corndog. Yeah, so in honor of the Casey Folks Vegas to Reno, the longest off-road race in America that's coming up, 550 miles. Our race team's been doing some race prep and pre-planning for this type of, of race and event. And I uh, just wanted to shed some light on some of the things that we consider when we start looking at longer off-road races like this, like the, the Vegas to Reno, best, um, the Baja score, Baja 500 and Baja 1000. Um, it's a bit different than say, you know, your prep or lining up for a Moran race or a Wara race that's going to be 100 to 150 miles. So um, some of the things that we have to consider and, and a, you know, a couple of these we've learned the hard way. Um, I'll, actually, I'll tell you a little story. So we <laughs> story were... Story time. <clears throat> yep. This last year, 2019, Baja 1000, um, we are pretty meticulous with our bikes. We go through, we make sure that we've got new sprockets, new chains, new tires with mooses. Um, every bolt doesn't go untouched. I mean, we spec and torque every bolt, every screw, every nut. Um, fuel filters get changed, so you have clean fuel filters. We actually tape a fuel a extra fuel filter to the inside of the airbox in case we you know clog up a, a fuel filter air filters are are clean and prepped fresh oil um, I mean the bikes are you know pretty much spotless and ready to go fresh fork oil everything's been redone and dialed in um, so we show up to race the score Baja 1000 in 2019 and uh, we made a team decision to have Damon Bush start. Damon's a, a very fast rider. Um, he knows how to push early on in a race and get past some riders. And we, so we thought that that would be a strong point to, to have him start, and, uh, which it was. Damon put in a super solid start for us, brought it to race mile 70 where Chuck got on. Um, at race mile 70, Damon brings the bike in, hands it off to Chuck and says, the brakes are gone. The rear brakes are gone. So we're scrambling like, oh crap, you know, who's got the spare brakes? Well, the spare brakes were on the spare bike that was on the other side of the peninsula at about race mile 300. Mm. And so, um, Chuck as a stud he is, he just got on and freaking sent it. And who needs brakes? Who needs brakes? They just slow you down. 
So anyway, Chuck actually did a phenomenal job. Didn't lose any time. Rode really well. He did have a little bit of break, but um, a brand new set of pads, and they were gone by by race mile, you know, seventy. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so I was gonna get on after Chuck at about race mile 225. So Chuck was gonna put in 100 160 miles or something like that, I think. Um, and anyway, so they radio up to me and I find out that we need brakes. So I start bumming around and, and there's a couple of, uh, well, so the, the Tishners were down there racing and I just put it out on Facebook. Hey, anybody got a set of brakes for a KTM 450, you know, and, and those guys responded back and, and hit me up. And, uh, anyway, they ended up giving us a set of spare brake pads and, and, uh, you know, we kept our race going, put some fresh pads in before I got on and, and, uh, anyway, so little things like that, that, uh, don't cost a whole lot of money, but <laughs> may save your race, you know, as simple as a spare set of brake pads in each truck and things like that. But, um, so a little list of things that I would recommend start that with a spare set of brake pads, uh, spare tire mounted on the rim with mooses. So that if you have to do a tire swap, which in the Vegas arena, we plan to do a tire swap about midway. Um, you can just swap the rim out. And when you do that, make sure that the rear sprocket is the same size as the one that's on the bike. So if you're running, for example, a 1448 or a 1548, make sure you have a 48 rear on your spare tire so that everything clips in, mounts up real quick, and you don't have to make any chain adjustments. Um, you want to start the race, like I said, with a well-prepped bike, new, new chain, new sprockets. Eliminate any issues that can arise. I mean, in a race that long, a lot can go wrong, but in order to win, everything has to go right. I mean, everything. We have raced down in Mexico several times with well-prepped bikes, and and we thought we had everything in order. We thought we had thought through everything, and something as small as you know a bolt falling off your uh, regulator rectifier, and and the regulator rectifier falls off the bike, and you you lose your lights at race mile. 700 in the dark and you're running first overall in your class hmm. <clears throat> and you lose an hour trying to you know figure out the problem and and pull a spare off a spare bike and put it on and mount it up and you know and you end up getting second when you should have won i mean everything has to go right to win in these types of races and so pre-planning and prep is huge um have an extra master link have a rider's pack with some tools in it, basic tools that can get you back on the trail. Have a somewhat of a knowledge of how to work on your bike. You know, most desert riders can do a good portion of their work, but uh, make sure you got those things. Filter skins are really cool. Um, it'll keep you from having to do more filter changes than you need to. Um, and 
it's just one more layer of protection for your bike when you're racing in these long, dusty, silty conditions. So we typically run a filter skin. We'll pull that midway, you know, maybe like two-thirds of the way in and then two-thirds more maybe we'll do a filter change so we change one filter and that is always you know if needed we look at it if it doesn't need it we pop the cover back on and go um, and then one thing that I learned from Bob Bell and those guys and Dave Pearson when I was racing or you know helping them I wasn't actually on the bike I was down helping uh, Dave Pearson and and the the Kawasaki team with Bob Bell and Robbie Bell and those guys and watching them work. One of the things I learned was always check the oil on the bike and always have one person that just does a visual 360 of the bike and is checking spokes and, um, you know, skid plate brackets and, and cases, engine cases for oil leaks and anything, you know, punctured radiators, anything that might, uh, end your day. So have some spare oil and fluids there at every pit, spare levers, simple things that'll keep you from finishing if you don't have them. So, um, and then if you, if you do get caught and you don't have it, get resourceful, start asking people, ask around. I mean, this is the desert racing community. People want to help out and, uh, you know, ask around, man, you'll, you'll get you'll get people that help and you'll make friends that way. So yep, yep. I'm forever grateful for the Tishners for kicking us down some brake pads. And, you know, if they ever need anything in Baja, all they got to do is ask. And if we have it, it's theirs. So, right. And, and I've seen that I've, <clears throat> I've loaned out stuff, given stuff. And it's not that I want money back or whatever. I'm happy to help. Yeah, I tried to give those guys back a brand new set of brake pads when we got back, and they're like, no, just, you know, pass it on, pass it forward. Yeah. So super cool of them, you know, and and uh, anyway, that's that's the tip of the show. All right, thank you. <clears throat> and now for your race dates segment part of the show. Eric, I'm going to turn it over to you to give us some dates of some – racing all right guys yeah so upcoming we're doing a little segment on race dates upcoming races you've got the um wara race coming up in dubois wyoming that's august 8th and uh put on by the speed goats dubois speed goats and for all you pros out there, it's got a $3,500 pro purse. $3,500. So $100 entry for the pros, and I think it was 55 for big bikes. big bikes. So go check that out if you uh, want to make a little trip to Dubois, Wyoming. Go race with the Speed Goats. Next, uh, the 10 Hours of Glen Helen um, down in California. Glen Helen Speedway uh, on, again, August 8th. Um, I'll be down there with our race team. We'll be taking on the 10 hours of Glen Helen. So check that out. If you're down there, come hit me up. Let me know you're listening to our podcast and, uh, be, be, be cool to meet you guys. So following that week is the following week. The 15th of August is the Vegas to Reno 
500 and close to 550 miles. Um, back to back weeks, we're going to end up racing the Vegas Torino as well. So, uh, looking if, if Eric's not tired from working, he's tired from racing. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I don't slow down. We just keep, keep going. Rest when I'm dead. Um, and then the following week after that is the weekend of the 22nd, August 22nd, here in Panaca, our Moran Silver State Trailblazers, National Heron Hound. Um, this is race. usually during our monsoon season, so chances of rain are good. And man, I'll tell you right now, when the sand washes get wet up here, there's nothing better. So come check that out on the 22nd. And then uh, August 23rd, same weekend on Sunday, SRA GP Glen Helen. Uh, that's the SRA Grand Prix, August 23rd. So check those out. Those are the upcoming races from um, for August. So we'll for future shows, we're going to do a race dates segment, give you the dates of the upcoming races. If you're part of a if you're part of an organization or a club out there and we have missed your race dates, uh, hit us up on Instagram or Facebook or message us and we'll make sure and put your race dates in there and capture that. So even throw us an email, the desert dirt biker at gmail.com. Cool. All right. And this has been your race date segment. See you at the races. Okay, guys, we've come to the part of the show where we got to end it. Sadly enough, we could probably sit here and talk forever. We have a sickness. We love our dirt bikes, and I hope that you guys love your dirt bikes, and that's why you're here listening. So I just want to say thank you. I know Eric feels the same way. Thank you for all you guys out there listening to us, tuning in. Uh, again, please share our podcast with your friends, family, fellow dirt bikers, and uh, hopefully you're enjoying it. I also want to thank uh, Jared and Austin from Wara for being on our show tonight. And I'm really excited to watch and continue watching them grow. I think they've got a good thing going and they're off to a good start. Also want to thank Eric and all the firefighters here in Nevada, Utah, California, Arizona around that's been out fighting the fires taking their life and their risk to, to save our wild lands, ranches, homes, other people. So thanks. Thanks, man. That means a lot. Cool. Thank you. And uh, share our show. Share our podcast. <clears throat> Reach out to us. You can find us on Facebook, KD Eric, and on Instagram, The Desert Dirt Biker. Or hit us up with an email, thedesertdirtbiker at gmail.com. And uh, Eric, you got anything else to say following up or see you next time? Or Yeah, catch you guys all later. Have a good weekend. Hopefully you're out riding. Get a little seat time and uh, some therapy. <laughs> Motor therapy. Yeah. Yep. All right. We will see you at the races. Later. Bye.